Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the drscore.com doctor rating website. Well, I couldn't be more excited than I am today. We're going to be speaking with two of my heroes, Joe and Terry Graydon, whose radio program, The People's Pharmacy, provides patients a wealth of up-to-date, cutting-edge health information, information, information that patients might find difficult getting anywhere else, even from their doctors. Joe has a master's in pharmacology. Terry Graydon is a PhD in medical anthropology. They've been doing this show for years. Uh, well, we're going to be talking to them about their radio program, about what doctors think about patients getting information from them, and about the Graydon's newest book, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them. Joe, Terry, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be with you. Nice to be with you, Steve. It's a real joy. So let's start. Tell me, um, tell our listeners about the People's Pharmacy. This is more than just a radio program. Well, it is. Uh, you know, I guess when people hear the term you know, the People's Pharmacy, they figure there's a drugstore someplace down the road. And in reality, we don't have a drugstore. We don't dispense drugs. We dispense information. It all started back in the early 1970s when Terry dragged me kicking and screaming off to Oaxaca, Mexico. I was doing my uh, research for my uh, dissertation on health and nutrition in Oaxaca, and uh, Joe taught in the medical school in the morning, but in the afternoon, you know, he had nothing to do. So he wrote a book. And that book, The People's Pharmacy, was published in 1976. It went on to become quite successful. It led to a... First, a radio show on our local station, WUNC, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That led to a syndicated newspaper column that is read uh, in newspapers all across the country, from, from the L.A. Times and the Seattle Times and the Portland Oregonian to the Baltimore Sun and the Houston Chronicle. In addition to the newspaper column and the radio show, uh, we also host a website, peoplespharmacy.com. We've written 15, 16 books on a variety of topics, from chocolate to drug interactions to home remedies. And, of course, you mentioned our latest that's causing quite a lot of um, controversy and consternation, especially in the medical community, about medical mistakes. The website also has videos now, um, People have access to podcasts of, of your hundreds of programs. There's inexpensive guides people can download. It's amazing the wealth of valuable resources you've put together. Well, 
and we also have a tremendous amount of information from visitors to our website. They have uh, put in their comments and their stories, and that, too, can be extremely valuable. You know, uh, we have come to value what we call the knowledge of crowds, the wisdom of crowds. And the community that has come about around People's Pharmacy includes both health professionals and patients and consumers, and, and they share information together. You know, one of the things that you've studied and looked at are silos. That is to say, people who live in their own little world, and they often don't communicate very well between one silo to another silo. Well, Steve, you called them compartments in your wonderful book. And what we've been trying to do is break down those silos or those compartments so that people really can, can talk to one another, whether it's a specialist talking to a primary care provider like a nurse practitioner or an internist, or whether it's a patient communicating with perhaps another patient or a patient communicating with a physician. So it's all about breaking down barriers. I get the sense that that, that communication you get from patients must be extremely helpful inspiration for the, to, to come up with the ideas for the, for, the, for the many shows, newspaper columns, and things that you, that you do. You're exactly right. I mean, that, that is how things have evolved. I mean, there was a time when we thought we knew what people wanted to learn about. We were often wrong. So if you just listen, and I think that's sort of the key to everything, whether it's what we do on the radio or on our website or in our newspaper column, but it's also the key to physicians and patients. You know, we, we talk about the number one most important thing that doctors need to do to prevent medical screw-ups, and that is to listen, to listen to their patients. Now, of course, you know better than anybody that physicians are under tremendous time pressure today because of insurance, because of reimbursement for Medicare and Medicaid, and so they have to see increasing numbers of patients, and when they do that, they have less time per patient. When you don't have that opportunity to listen, mistakes happen. The time pressures the desire to be efficient certainly affects people. I think patients, and again, you're listening to patients, so you may have a better sense than I do, believe that, that all the money in the healthcare system maybe affects um, people in the, in the medical system, that it, it corrupts them, that all the drug company money there and the marketing that they do uh, causes doctors to practice in ways that maybe are not always in patients' best interest. Is that your impression? Well, there is some evidence to that effect. I would say in most cases, primary care doctors are probably not the ones who are um, swayed by uh, pharmaceutical industry money, but I think that does happen in some of the specialties. Uh, ProPublica has done some research on that. We've not gotten into that too much, but we do know that there are a lot of other ways in which money has an impact that's negative on, um, on health care. And one of those is this short doctor visit. So many physicians are involved in health care systems that are set up so that if the doctor is going to make a decent living, he or she really has to act as though they were in a factory you know, working an assembly line and really move the patients through. That's not conducive 
to a good doctor-patient relationship. It's not conducive to being able to listen to the patient. It makes the patient feel as though they're not valued as a human being, and it's just it, it you know it, it and it, it it contributes to to mistakes on both sides because let's face it, doctors are not the only ones who make serious errors. Sometimes patients don't actually capture what the doctor has been telling them, and uh, they may make an error as well. I wonder if you ever feel the same pressures that, I mean, your radio show only lasts for a certain period of time, and there may be more that you would like to cover than you feel you can get into one show. Well, we are actually blessed, Steve, in the sense that we are on public radio, which means that in the course of a full hour, we can actually have a, an intelligent conversation with a, an informed guest without commercial breaks every five or six minutes that last three or four minutes. I mean, if you've ever listened to commercial radio these days, first of all, everybody talks a mile a minute, and they're going so fast that you can barely keep up with what they're saying. And then no sooner have they got done speaking, then it's time for another break, and that break lasts forever. So on public radio, we do have the luxury of time. And for the most part, we can explore some issues in depth so that hopefully by the end of the hour, our listeners have actually comprehended what we're talking about. I mean, today, for example, on the People's Pharmacy, we're talking about the quality of the food we eat. And we tried to delve really deeply into something called the glycemic index, which is a measure of carbohydrate and how rapidly it causes blood sugar to rise, and then insulin to go up as well. Well, I think we were able to plumb that topic to its very core with two of the country's leading experts, well, actually, one of the world's leading experts from Australia and uh, a researcher from Harvard. You know, very few other media experts have the opportunity to get into the depth that we did on that topic today. So, quite honestly, we're grateful for the hour that we have on public radio because in this very helter-skelter, fast-paced world that we live in, that hour is a luxury that very few other people have. Now, let me suggest, Steve, that there, uh, there are some other ways that, um, that people can learn about the health topics that are interesting, interesting to them. And after someone... For example, here's Dr. Jenny Brandmiller talk on our radio show. They can actually go to the Internet. They can visit her website. They can really, you know, dig down because they have Internet access now to more information than we ever dreamed possible back when we were graduate students. That's the truth. People. And I'm actually interested, Steve, in something that I read uh, earlier today, which is that you'll be speaking soon, or you just have spoken, on adolescents using the Internet to improve their acne care. How does that work? Oh, you'll have to have me on your program again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe we can get to that at some point. Um, but I, I want to focus, I want to get back on the on the ugly side of medicine and the money in it for just one more moment because um, we talked about how it might affect doctors. I think people who have not listened to your show might be wondering, well, I bet the money affects them. Um, 
How do you keep from being corrupted by the system? I, I, I noticed on your website that you um, have three principles listed. Respect for people's ability to make informed decisions about their health, honesty and integrity in communications and actions, care, compassion, and fairness as the guiding principles for all institutions serving people. Those sound like great principles. Thanks. We think so. Well, you know, quite honestly, it's a struggle. And let me tell you a little bit more about the money aspect. First, I'm going to address it sort of in, uh, in society at large, and then Joe is going to address it with respect to us. Um, one of the things that really alarms me with respect to how money drives our health care costs is direct-to-consumer advertising. I actually watch very little television, but when I do watch television, I am shocked by the number of prescription drugs that are advertised, particularly prescription drugs for very, very serious conditions that have no business being advertised directly to patients. So I think that has a tendency to throw a lot of uh, monkey wrench into the situation. It is driven by money, and it distorts our health care costs. Well... So how do we keep our noses above the waterline? Well, for one thing, we write books. Um, it's sort of the way we support our radio show habit. And as you've learned over the years, I mean, in order to support your website habit, uh, you have you know have to see patients, you have to do clinical trials, you have to you have to find your money elsewhere because you're not getting rich on your website. Well, we're not getting rich on our radio show or our website or our newspaper column. We don't take a penny of drug company money. Uh, We have always perceived ourselves, and we hope our listeners and readers perceive that as well, as the umpires or the referees when it comes to assessing prescription and over-the-counter medications. And so as a result, we couldn't take money from GlaxoSmithKline, GSK, or Pfizer or Lilly, and and in good conscience, then you know, talk about their medications to lower blood pressure, to control cholesterol, uh, to deal with anxiety or or insomnia. If we were getting paid by the very companies that made those medications, so in our careers, we've never taken money from the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, the only um, the only underwriters or, or sponsors of our radio show. One is a, a chain of pharmacies in North Carolina called CAR, K-E-R-R, that have, we think, very high standards of pharmacy practice, and a moisturizer called Utter Cream that we think is pretty effective and very low cost. And that's it And when it comes to sponsorship. The other way we keep our head above the waterline is, again, by writing books and uh, by writing those brochures you alluded to that are fairly inexpensive at $2 a piece. Perhaps some people might wonder, well, maybe they're on the doctor's side. Um, I know you have a relationship with the University Medical Center. Um, uh, I get the sense that the university is probably benefiting from that a whole lot more than you are. Well, I'm not quite sure... um uh, which university you're uh, referring to, Joe is on the Board of Visitors for the School of Pharmacy at UNC. It's an uh, unpaid position, and uh, 
He's also a, has an adjunct uh, position in the School of Pharmacy. Again, it's it's unpaid, but it it doesn't r- require huge amounts of time and effort either. Um, we have served in the past in a volunteer capacity on Duke University's uh, uh, two committees at Duke, both related to uh, one related to patient safety and the other related to um, patient advocacy. And those were uh, interesting and, and uh, challenging uh, assignments for us, but we have uh, completed our terms on both of those. Well, that, um, that sounds like potentially a whole nother show that we could discuss. Um, okay, so how about your relationship with doctors in general? You know, one of the things I've, I loved about your program when I listen to it, is that you're, you're always letting people know uh, to see their doctor. I, I, I you know, I, I can't imagine how any physician would uh, w- would take issue with the kind of information you're providing to patients. Well, you know, I have to be very honest with you, Dr. Steve Feldman. We have what I would call a love-hate relationship with physicians. Now, from our end. It's mostly love because we are so grateful for the extraordinary expertise that we get to share with our listeners uh, from guests, whether they be from Harvard or whether they be from Australia or whether they be from Stanford University. Uh, Wherever they are, we're selecting people who we think have wonderful, important information who are capable of communicating for our listeners. But I suspect that there are a lot of doctors who listen to our radio show and, um, well, to put it mildly, get very, very upset and sometimes get very, very angry. Uh, We sometimes talk about patient safety issues, and clearly our new book is all about patient safety. And doctors often become defensive when we talk about medical mistakes. Uh, Doctors sometimes get outraged when we talk about home remedies. Uh, You know, how dare they talk about unscientific stuff? There's no evidence that it works. Uh, They should stick to experts who know what they're talking about. Um, there There are topics that we deal with that are very controversial. And so when we talk about healthcare reform, there are both physicians as well as uh, patients who become very, very angry with us. So we don't shy away from controversy, and we recognize that sometimes uh, you have to say or do things that are going to be probably unpopular with some portions of the population, and some of those folks are physicians. And what makes you think that they're getting angry at you? Are they are they writing to you to tell you yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's I mean, the simple answer, yes. We yeah. hear from them. I mean, there are doctors who say, basically, how dare you write a book about medical mistakes or doctor screw-ups. You know nothing. We're in the trenches. We're working very hard. Um, you know, it's, it's a terrible title, and you are really bad people to do this. So, yeah, no, we've, we've created a lot of enemies in the medical profession, and we're sorry about that, but we thought we had to tell it the way it is. Well, I... Um I suspect that there's probably thousands of doctors listening to your program, and 99.5% of it, of them love the things you're saying, and they're not writing to you, um, and that you're probably hearing from the few um, who are really motivated to write. 
That is entirely possible, even likely, and of course that's part of the point that you made um, when you wrote compartments. I th yeah, I think it's a lot like um, patient satisfaction with their doctor. If you look at, you know, what the what you hear about, you hear you probably hear about patients who, you know, have concerns about the communication they get with their doctors and not being told about various options and things and. Yet when you go to the uh, Doctor Score website and find out what the average patient really thinks, they love their doctors, but you just don't hear from the from the many who are totally satisfied. When when we talk to people, you know, one on one, and sometimes even in email, people will tell us they love their doctors. So that doesn't come as a surprise, um, but it it does make us very unhappy when we read about an interaction that's gone terribly wrong and the patient has not been treated properly, either it, technically they've, they've gotten the wrong treatment, and uh, sometimes that wrong treatment comes along with not being treated with respect either. I'm not sure how often the wrong treatment happens, but however often it happens, it's too much. We're going to come back to Joe and Terry Graydon on our program next week and discuss in detail with them some of those things that can go wrong, and even more importantly, the things that people can do to avoid problems. We'll be talking with Joe and Terry about their new book, Top Screw-Ups Doctors Make and How to Avoid Them. You can find the book on Amazon.com, either in hard copy or download the Kindle edition. Uh, you can get the book through Joe and Terry's website, www.peoplespharmacy.com. I hope you've enjoyed today's program, and will join us next time. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next week, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.